Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. So as we come to John chapter 14, here's a question for you. What if the purpose of your spirituality was not only forgiveness? What if it was not only getting you to heaven? And what if it was not only you becoming a transformed person, but what if the ultimate goal was for your relationship with God himself, intimacy with God, and that's where we go today. Let me read for you the passage that we'll be studying, beginning in verse 15 of John chapter 14. If you love me, keep my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see him, me, anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Sometimes when I approach a passage, one of the things I look for are the key terms that hallmark that passage. And I want to point out to you some of the key terms that jump out at me as I study this passage The most obvious one is the term father. Did you know in these five chapters, the word father is used 107 times? It jumps out first when we hear uh, the disciples say, just in the last passage we studied last week, show us the father. And then Jesus says, have I been with you so long that you have not seen me? Um, But he says here, I will ask the father And he says, the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And in chapter 16, we're going to hear him say, no, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and and have believed. So the father is a big idea. Now, the disciples have watched Jesus in his ministry for three years. They've seen him go off to pray. He's actually taught them to pray to the father, and he's used an Aramaic term that was an endearing term specific to Jesus. It was the term Abba. And that term is really obvious as you think about Aramaic and Hebrew. The Hebrew word for father is Ab. 
And so you can imagine a child learning to talk and calling his father Abba, just as we use the word Dada or Daddy in English. And Jesus, as an adult, uses that term to interact with God Almighty, God himself, Daddy. So Jesus is right out of the gate taking us into an intimate direction as he uses this term. The next term I want you to see is the word spirit. Remember, there's no concept of the Trinity at this point. Uh, The disciples know that the spirit is used in the Old Testament, ruach, to speak about the breath of God or the movement of God, uh, the wind of God, but he hasn't actually been defined in their minds yet as a specific person of the Trinity. And so Jesus here uses the term, and it's rightly capitalized, capital S, because the way he speaks about the Spirit is a person, that there's a person that's coming to you and I who has been with us and now is going to be in us to bring the Father and the Son their presence into our lives. In verse 16 of chapter 14, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Who was the first advocate? It was Jesus. And so the Spirit brings to us, as Paul calls him, the Spirit of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, another advocate to help you and be with you forever and ever. The Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. So you've already sensed his presence. He is with you and he will be in you. And that brings me to the next term, the preposition in, I-N, used 44 times in this upper room experience. In fact, the Apostle Paul takes this term and he expands on it and uses it far more in his writings, the in Christ uh, dynamic, that you and I live in Christ and he is in us. This sounds something that like we've all taken to be just commonplace if you've grown up in the church, but think how radical this is. He's not talking about a mystical Eastern oneness with the universal mind or brain of the universe. He's talking about a person who is now going to be in us, and we are in that person, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. So this in idea is huge. I want to move us, because a lot of us are Western in our thinking, and we think propositionally. So when I ask you the question, are you in Christ, what your mind translates that to be, am I judicially, legally a saved Christian? Have I checked the box? Done. But what the the word is expressing is a mystical intimacy that we now have with God himself through the Spirit. And the final word I want to draw your attention to is just the word come. It's here in the passage, 
twice in John 14, and you probably didn't think about it, but the first time is, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Now picture an orphan left on the streets, and the orphan doesn't know where he is and how he's going to feed himself, and where, what am I going to do? And here comes this person who's got his eyes on the orphan to pick him up, to love him, to take him home. So Jesus comes to you and to me. Then in verse 23, where we're really going to dive into this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you're watching, uh, we will come to them and make our home in them. This is the Father and the Son through the Spirit coming to you to make their home in you. So this is stunning. This is amazing. This is everything that you've hoped for, everything that you've imagined, intimacy, acceptance, non-condemning relationship with God. So push aside all the ideas of God just being a great theological idea or the Eastern idea of him being energy or this mystical universal entity, the oneness of the universe. The uniqueness of our faith is a personal God who comes to you and me. As a kid, I remember seeing the Wizard of Oz and looking at this big bulbous head that the wizard was manufacturing as he pulled the levers behind the curtain. And I thought to myself, is that how God is? And I think a lot of people have a God in their minds like that. He's untouchable, he's unapproachable, but he's this big, bald, or maybe long-haired, gray, unapproachable being. And when he talks, he talks just like he does on The Wizard of Oz. Who are you to come into my presence? But that's not who God is. And Jesus now invites us into this intimacy that is going to open up your heart and my heart to a deeper relationship with God. So let's dive into this intimate relationship and go deeper here. In the beginning of the Gospel of John, a word is introduced to us that is going to come out here and in John 15. And the word is abide. Most of us that have been believers know that word from John 15, where Jesus talks about himself being the vine, you and I, the branches. And he says, if you, if this is you and you're the branch and, and he's the vine, he says, abide in me and I in you. But if you read the entire gospel of John, you realize it's, it's a technical term for you and I making our home in him. So in John chapter 1, where the disciples are first discovering Jesus, they hear John the Baptist at the River Jordan point to Jesus and say, behold the Lamb of God. And these two disciples leave John and they follow Jesus and they come up to Jesus. Now think of it, you've never talked to the guy before. How do you start a conversation? So they start it by just acting normal. They don't say, are you the Messiah? Or what are you going to do? They just simply, hey, where are you staying? 
and they use the word abide. And Jesus responds to them, I suppose with a twinkle in his eye, and says, come and you will see. Get it? And so the rest of the gospel of John is you and I coming to see where Jesus abides. He abides in the presence of the Father. He abides listening to the Father, doing the works of the Father. He's literally at home with the Father. So now in the upper room, he's inviting you and I into this profound abiding relationship where we make our home in him. So here in this chapter, he says in John 14, 20, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Notice he doesn't just say you're going to get all the right doctrine exactly. The right doctrine is to draw us into a right relationship. So he talks about this intimacy. I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you, that he'll circle back around to in John 17. Then he goes on in verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them. And here it is, and show myself to them. The word there is to openly disclose myself to them. Wow. A lot of times we think that God is like this divine fox that uh, we're on a, a, a hound chase and we're chasing after the fox and, and God's hiding here and he's under this log there and we never quite see him. We're always trying to figure him out. But here it's completely reversed where he's pursuing us and his intent is to show himself to you and to me. So what does that mean? Well, I might ask you, how close do you think we can come to God? How close can we come to Jesus? How much can we know about him? Why not press in and find out? And then in verse 23, he brings this idea again to us. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home in them. God himself moving in to your heart, into my heart, into our midst, making himself comfortable in us. Crazy, isn't it? I mean, think about the living room that you have and the furniture, the beanbag in your, uh, your family room, whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable. That's what we're to imagine. This is a Middle Eastern text that Middle Easterners are huge about hospitality. They're all about making you feel at home. And God using that language and culture says he's coming to make himself at home inside of you. Let me draw your attention to two passages in the Old Testament that, that begin to cause us to think this way. The first is uh, Psalm 91, where David says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And in verse four of Psalm 91, he says that God will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. What a beautiful picture where you and I are taking 
our dwelling, our shelter uh, in the shadow of God. And then he uses the, the imagery of a bird gathering the little, little chicks under its wing. And that's how God is thinking of you and me. And then in, ver- in chapter 32 of the Psalms, Psalm 32, it says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Most of us know that song where we see God as our hiding place that we run to. We run into him. So you see that this passage is trying to convert you. It's trying to convert me. Think of the passage in Revelation where Jesus says to Christians, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus wanting to come deeper and deeper into your life. The moment I say I'm as close to Jesus as I want to be or I'm as close to him as I'm allowed, uh, we put up barriers that keep us from moving in deeper into this relationship that he has for you and he has for me. Now, I want to tell you about the cost of intimacy. Yeah, you knew there was a hitch, right? You can't just say you love God and I love God without thinking about uh, the teeth, the substance that is in that love. So in this prayer, Jesus says, all the way back in, in John 14, 13, he says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in you and you may may ask anything in my name and I will do it. He's telling us that there's going to be, out of this relationship, a prayer life that begins to change the world around us. This idea is repeated throughout the upper room in John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In the same chapter, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you that you might go and bear much fruit. What does the fruit look like? Where does it come from? He tells us, so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then in chapter 16, verse 23, In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I think it's important to point out a lot of us when we pray, it's just, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. There's nothing about the Father. But Jesus was clear. He was inviting us into a Father relationship, not just a dear Jesus relationship. We pray through his name to the intimate father who loves you. And Jesus is saying here is that you just talk directly to him because of this intimacy in prayer. And he says, until now you have not asked for anything in my name, ask. And the emphasis in the Greek is please ask that you will receive and your joy will be complete. So this brings some teeth into the intimacy that we're just not hanging out we're not, not just eating food and, hey, Jesus, how's it going? And, and it's just this cool uh, brotherly relationship. Uh, there's a purpose in this relationship. And, and he wants you to be remade back into his image so you have the heart that he has. You care about the things he cares about, and you begin to talk to God 
about those things. I think of it this way. In some organizations, the requirement of the bank is that two people co-sign the check. You just can't have one person sign the check. It's usually if the dollar is over a certain amount, you need two signatures. So in prayer, God has designed it so that he signs the check and you sign the check. It brings us all the way back to Genesis 1.26, where he's made you in his image. This is the way he designed you to be from the beginning, that we would rule and reign with God, we would see what's needed, and we begin to pray to God the Father that this would begin to happen in your life, in your loved one's lives, in the people that are around you, in, in the country that you live in, uh, in the world that we find ourselves in, the power of prayer to change the world because of this intimacy that you and I have with him. The other aspect of this intimacy that gives it substance is the O word, obedience. It's the word that oftentimes people don't want to look at. But listen to the commands here. Jesus says in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me uh, will obey my teaching. John 15, 10, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. Verse 17 of John 15, this is my command that you love one another. So he's giving us a command to be people of love and that kind of obedience is imperative. Folks, we live in a very unloving world right now. It feels hateful to me at times, where the, the margins are so thin in terms of how people feel towards one another. I had someone say to me, because they are a Christian, I don't hate anyone, I'm a Christian. And I said, well, what about that person? And he said, I don't hate him, I just dislike him intensely. We figure out ways to get around Christianese, but think about it. What does it cost you to begin to love others the way God has loved you? And that's the command. That's the command. And he says, if you obey my commands, we will come to you and make our home with you, with the idea that we move into deeper and deeper intimacy with God as we obey him and follow him. So there isn't a point where I can just say, you know, Jesus, I'm checking out now. I'm going to stop obeying you on this one command. I got to let go and let God. And as I do and I humble myself and obey him, I move in to deeper intimacy, discovering the greatness of his love towards me. As a teenager, there was a song that came out. I would think I was in junior high and it was a song by the Beach Boys called In My Room. And the lyric is, goes like this. There's a world where I can go and tell my secrets too. In my room, in my room. In this world, I lock out all my worries and my fears. In my room, in my room. I do my dreaming. I do my scheming. I lie awake and pray. I do my crying and my sighing and laugh at yesterday. 
This is the kind of relationship that Jesus and the Father are calling you to. And I want you to think about this as we surrender to this deeper, intimate relationship. This place, call it a room, where you're fully accepted, you're fully understood, you're fully listened to, you grow, and there you become the authentic person that God has called you to be. So what is that? Are you willing to surrender and let go and say, yes, God, let's do this thing? Can you imagine me performing a ceremony for a wedding? And as the couple's saying, I do, they turn to me, maybe the guy turns to me and says, um, okay, now that I'm getting married, do we have to talk? Uh, do we have to be intimate Um, Do we have to spend time together? Can't we just live under the same roof, uh, pay the same bills, and go our separate way? I would ask the obvious question, why are you getting married? You just want to live as singles under one roof. The point of your relationship with Jesus Christ is not just forgiveness, not just going to heaven, and not just being transformed. It's to actually move deeper and deeper into relationship with the God who loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great love, the door that you've opened unto us to move into our lives and us into you, to make ourselves at home with you. And we tell you, Lord, we're homesick for you. We long to be with you. We long for you to be in us. So God, come to us as Jesus promised here. And we pray that you'd make us people that talk to you, pray to you to change this world and that we would be people who obey you and learn to love others as you have loved us. And we pray this, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.